Hello, welcome to episode number two of the Black Format Podcast. My name is Camilo Bejarano and I'm your host. Today we have the amazing designer and illustrator Lindsay from Lindsay.io where we talk about her creative process, toys, and even her super cute creation for Ember.js, Tomster. We're also uh, changing the format a little bit. We're gonna not hold the 18 minute mark anymore. We're gonna try to extend it so we can have fun and enjoy more information from every single artist that we interview on the podcast. So without further ado, here is Lindsay with podcast number two. Make sure to visit blackformat.com for any more is. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for joining me. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Just, um, you know, hanging out. Uh, just got off of work and drinking some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here, same here. Not not much different. Nice. So, uh, how's, you've been drinking tea, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I said, it's too late to 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 keep drinking coffee at the yeah. moment. Um, I've already amped up to twice a day. Look at that world, but um, I figured you know I'm I'm already kind of hyper, so I better dial it back a little <laughs> and, and and not be so over the top. Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I'm like very calm, so I need to be like just a little bit less calm. Yeah, you have like that soothing voice and it's <laughs> like everybody lay down and picture a forest and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know. That's what people like at work, I have a Cintiq. Uh-huh. And they're uh-huh. like, you should totally have a YouTube channel where you're like painting pretty trees. And, like, oh, you're going to be Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross. Um, happy little trees and, and That's choir. right. <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah, I'm super interested I love Tomster. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. He's um, definitely my most known character, I would say. Yeah, he's super cool. He's got so much personality, so much character. Um, can you tell us like a little bit how you went about him and like how how he got made? Uh, well, that project's always uh, it's it's always interesting to tell because um, Ember came to me. Uh, they were about to launch their website and. They literally needed something in three days, oh, and wow. they said we want three images, and you know they represent this, and you have three days. And I'm like, oh my god, like, Damn. and I even I was like, you really should just launch without the images, <laughs> and give it like just go ahead and launch, give us a week, like a week can make these so much better, and you know, and they did not want to take that advice, <laughs> which is always the case with clients. Uh, but it, it ended up that those time constraints were really great in, in a lot of ways. I'm going to pull up the website here. Yeah, uh, nice. the, first, you know, the first two images were really straightforward. One was you know, building ambitious things, so we had the Eiffel Tower and blueprints. But Tomster was like uh, about productivity, and I was thinking I wanted something to represent what the community may look like, something a little nerdy, a little uh, animal or something. And That's he just was immediate in my mind like i just drew him in like five seconds that's awesome it it's like it was like pure instinct like this is exactly the way he should look i didn't even i can't even say i did any research images it just literally came right out that's the best when stuff like that happens right like some things take like years to get made and then some things are like oh i know exactly how it should look yeah i always find that the i definitely find it with me that the instinctual 
uh, decisions are, are much, they, they end up in a better product. Yeah. yeah I don't know why right. I, some people need to do the, re I mean, I do tons of research all the time. And if I want to know how to draw something, I'll look up, you know, I'll make my, my board of all of that. But uh, with him, it was just, I knew what I wanted. And then, then they were like, everybody loves him and we want more of him. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, okay, we'll do this. And then they would ask uh, for advice, like we want to keep him consistent and we want to make sure, you know, he's protected as a brand and and he just evolved, you know. I, yeah. I still do them today for the different meetup groups, you know, the different community groups that they have. Oh, that's awesome. So, so it's kind of like an ongoing yeah project that's cool yeah so there's like um boston tomster who looks like paul revere there's uh uh i did one today or i well i better not talk about that i'm not gonna give that one away yet it's not released so oh, okay. um but it's fun to dress him up in costumes and have the same character that you get a uh you know give a new spin on all the time it's really fun so yeah that's so cool i mean i love the the shapes too like they're my my work for example is like i guess completely different like it's mine is very symmetrical like and i love like this is like very like organic and like kind of just <laughs> interesting shapes I, it's funny too because like i think of my work some like you know we're our worst critics right uh i always think of my work as a little too stiff and i i always look at some people and i'm like i just want that dynamic you know fluid motion and i haven't quite gotten there but when i look at yours like i'm looking at like your second most recent i think it's called future oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little white blob you know right. and he just looks he looks i see so much personality in him even though he may just be a simple shape oh thanks i, I see this like little plodding but calm and <laughs> it's, it's it's just a door I, I love that stuff though but i'm like a geek on characters like uh, so you're like a freelance artist or you yeah. work for amber okay cool freelance 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 so. night I, I wanted to hear more about stickerly what is stickerly what's it uh, about? stickerly is now a closed project oh. uh, i know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was a project I started. Um, I started doing um, some digital stickers for IMO.IM. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really uh, loved doing that work. And I'd have people come to me that wanted stickers. And I thought, well, I think that there could be a market here for app developers who want to get an app going, a messaging app or something, and they need stickers. But, I mean, it's pretty expensive to commission a single set of stickers. Absolutely. So yeah, so I thought I was gonna do like a kind of stock resource of them, mm -hmm. and you know we we got it up, we got it going. I created three sets, and um, we didn't quite get any traction. I didn't do enough validation, so I definitely think I had a product market fit problem, um, where I was targeting the wrong market and pricing it too expensive for the market that probably wanted it. And uh, we had a death in the family, um, so that kind of just changed everything. And so for the moment, we closed it down. We said, we're not sure what to do with this, and we just need to focus on freelancing right now. So yeah, that, that was kind of how that turned out, which is, it's yeah. a bummer. Like, I'd love to do that full time and, and make those little characters, but. No, but that happens. I mean, I had, um, God, so many things that I start up and then just they don't work out. Like, 
Um, I I had um. So when iPads first came out, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I can make sleeves and like do all these things with iPads, and you know, it, right? Like I tried doing that for a while. It didn't really work out. Um, and then I also had a like a, I bought a Geekly printer or Geekly, uh-huh. however you want to say. It. Um, printer. What, what kind of printer does it? Is... It's a it's an Epson, like a high quality Epson printer. Oh, okay. uh, Glycy or something. Glycy, right? yeah. I, I don't I can know never... how to say it either. <laughs> I think I just everybody don't... just says whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I was like, oh, I have a bunch of friends that need prints, so I started like I put up a store and sell their prints and stuff like that. But um. But it got to a point where I was like printing like an entire day and like shipping stuff out, and it was just like I'm making like a dollar. The you fulfillment. Know? Yeah, rough. the fulfillment's incredible. Like it takes so much time, and um, I think I saw that on like a like a behind the scenes of a successful Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. And they had to like ship all of the rewards out and they had their garage full of all the products and like three extra rooms and like brimming. So I can only imagine, you know, running a full operation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did that with Kickstarter. That's kind of where I started um, with toys. Yeah. I mean, it was a separate, so like, yeah, I had a, like I bet sleeve company. I started a screen printing studio well, numerous you things. You can't use screen print? Yeah, that's how I got started to, like, design and illustration and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I always want to learn uh, a more hands-on trade, mm-hmm. you know, because everything yeah. is so digital. And I was like, I just want to make something. And then when you start thinking about how long, like, each thing takes and how much you'd have to price it at, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to make money. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to pay me $200 for this one item because that's how long it takes me to make it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So um, you, but you did the, the toy thing, right? Like, yeah, so I did a Kickstarter for a toy that I collaborated with uh, Bubia Young, the illustrator from Hong Kong. Okay. Um, and we did this little bear vinyl toy called Berry Kong. Which was uh, before Sundial, which Sundial was like my second toy, I guess. Oh, I didn't know he's. I didn't know you had a one before that. Yeah, it, it was a. It was like a collaboration between me and her. Um, so, okay. and it was a Kickstarter, um, and the same thing happened with fulfillment. It was, you know, like fortunately we got we got um, completely backed, and. Yeah. And then when it came down to, like, shipment, it was, like, I had a whole room full of, full of this, like, little bears. And I was, like, <laughs> oh, man. And what's I it called? Berry? Like, it's Berry. Yeah, it's uh, B-E-A-R-Y-C-A-L-M. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Like, it's like a little bear. Um, oh, I love him. He's so cute. <laughs> I love him. That's fun. He is. He's adorable. So you made these. See, there, there's something I didn't know about. Yeah, I that's kind of how I started. But I did not know about this one. Oh, okay, yeah. So I was mean, this more your design or her design? Or how did that work, that process between you two? Yeah, so um, it was it was mostly her illustration. Um, mm-hmm. And then I took, she gave me the freedom to like kind of work with it. 
Um, so it kind of, it was like a collaboration. Like I made the whole world, uh, which was like the whole concept was that this guy was like a organic looking bubbly kind of character that uh-huh. lived in this geometric world. So he felt like he didn't really oh, um, <laughs> belong maybe, but you know, it was, it was just fun. It was like a small project and, and, um, and it was just a little bit of like getting my feet wet with, um, with toys and getting started with designer toys. So, but did you, did you know what designer toys were before that? Like, had you been collecting them or? Oh, absolutely. So, um, I, uh, let me think. I think the first time I saw a designer toy was, um, Kid Robot made this toys for the gorillas, the band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this was in 2005 or so. I mm-hmm. get, but they did the first the first version of the Gorillaz toys, um, and I saw them and I was like, "This is amazing!" Because I mean, everything that you see in toys, like you just went to Toys R Us and stuff, and like right, right. And for me, music is a huge part of my life. So having a band, which was characters, which also became toys, was just like, "Wow, I gotta do that. I gotta." figured out how to do and that's what got me into like illustration and art um because at that time i was in college and and um i i wasn't sure what i was doing i I was going for graphic design but i ended up dropping out and you know i was just kind of like a little bit lost and then i'm Mm -hmm. like man i just gotta start drawing and and things kind of started happening from there so that's um so yeah, so the gorillas. That's um, that's my first uh, introduction to designer toys. I feel like it's it's. I mean, I'm a little jaded on some of the current market. Um, I feel like it, they're just pop culture toys, you know. Um, yeah. Without naming names, you know, like they literally just produce every character in every movie ever. I know. And without any interesting variation. Uh, it's almost like, you know, they're not making commentary on, which is what I think designer toys really are, is making a commentary on something. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that was really attractive to me was that um, it was another medium for, for like, expression. Like, I I felt like, you know, everybody does prints, everybody does paintings, everybody does sculptures, but creating limited editions of like these little plastic toys that are usually well like toys just saying toys is like a connotation for like a younger audience but just making them for like a little bit more adult and like edgy and like i don't know it was that's what i was like very um i just became very interested in that and like kind of went with that yeah exactly i think that's it um, one of the things, um, like we, we talked about briefly in chat was like, I took a Paul Budnitz who's, who started kid robot has a course on Skillshare. And yeah, you were telling me. one of the things he addresses is the difference between a toy and a designer toy or a toy for an adult. And, and he talks about that, that juxtaposition, that combination of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, like a, a toy for a kid is just a pink teddy bear. It's just something simple, 
Um, but when you when you're making toys for adults, you, you need to have that that twist, that little you know quirk uh, that make them playful to the mind, I guess. Because yeah, yeah. you know that that's his uh, that's his thing, and I think that's where those um, new toys that just you know do pop culture you know characters are failing because it is literally just you know a translation of that into vinyl which is great i mean i'm not knocking those a lot of people love them yeah no for um, sure definitely but it's and, a place, and it is right? fun to see, it is fun to see your favorite character kind of in a in a tangible form right. you know that you weren't able to get before but um that's where like those you know aren't as appealing and i don't i don't get to see as many independent artist creations anymore yeah yeah it has become a lot and um honestly myself i've been kind of um pulled away from it like not pulled away but just kind of like i got a little bit disinterested in in the culture just the last few years why is that um i just i think uh you know i mean one of the reasons was that my shelf was just completely full of toys and i was like <laughs> I'm spending too much money on this stuff. Um, but the other reason was that I was just going to the stores and finding the same thing over and over and over and, like, nothing. To me, like, I was always looking for, like, the different-looking, kind of edgy uh, characters, you know? So Right, the discovery, or you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why my collection has kind of... Uh, like I don't, I don't buy. I probably only even have a handful of actual designer toys. I love them; they're great. Um, but I, you know, now my collection's migrating toward Japanese figures. Um, oh, that's cool. I, they're so oh, the Japanese market. I love, I love anything Asian. Like it, they're just so brilliant in the way they do things. You know, especially the, the Koreans and the Japanese. Their yeah, their way of thinking about things is just incredibly and their level of craft is amazing too like yes. compared to like uh, places like japanese especially like their stuff is like on point like it's so so good well i buy these um they're called nindoroids um mm -hmm. it's made by good smile oh cool. uh they're uh they're basically little chibi forms of anime characters and they're what they're so fascinating one but to, to stay on point was their paint jobs are impeccable. I mean, you almost never find a flaw. You don't find overlapping paint or, you know, goofy faces. Like, they're literally perfect. Yeah. That's and, so and that's cool. just, it's so impeccable. I know. But uh, what's special about these is um, you actually can take apart their head and change their faces. Oh, really? And that's you can cool. take off their arms. You can take their mismatched bodies. And uh, you make all of these poses. Um, That's so cool. Oh, it's they're, they're, oh, they're super fascinating. I'm, I can't even. I'll totally geek out on them. But uh, they they are they're really just fascinating little toy because you actually get to play with them. And I feel like I feel like what's happening in the American market is um, back in in the '90s there were uh, when Barbie was kind of really popular and they started going for big money. Uh, you know, on the secondhand market, they were worth quite a bit of money as as well as like other toys from the 80s. Mm -hmm. And so American collectors were like, 
oh, you should keep that in the box. You got to keep that in the box. You got to keep that in the box. It's going to be worth money. And I'm seeing that even today, like I started, I started my collection up again with Monster High dolls because uh, they, they look all super designery to me. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the adult collectors keep them mint in box. And, and again, not knocking anybody if that's your thing, but, um, you know, for me, I take everything out of the box. I want to play with it. I want to, I want to handle it. I want to see the craftsmanship, the design. I want it on my desk. And, I, you know, that's the beauty of why I like Ninderoids is because I can actually play with them. They're not just a figure on a shelf. Right. But one thing I found that, that's kind of fun is uh, with Ninderoids and, and some of the Japanese figures, uh, there's a community of toy photography. Um, it's really fascinating. And you basically set up your toys and scenes and have them acting out things. And and it's almost another uh, art form in itself. Um, I kind of started noticing them with like the little Lego stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and somebody, I, I couldn't even tell you who did it. Everybody does it now. But uh, somebody first started by having them in daily life. You know, like what a stormtrooper would be in normal life. Or, you know, these two stormtroopers are kind of overcoming a coffee mug, you know, or, and things like that. And I was yeah, like, that was yeah. super funny. That's uh, so um, cool. Yeah, I mean, when we did, especially, uh, well, both the toys that I've done, but especially Barrycom, like the mm-hmm. little bear. Um you know, you would get tagged on, like, pictures on Instagram. I would take a look, and it's, like, this crazy, like, funny poses that you'd never think of. And it's so cool to see somebody across the globe with a creation that you've made and um, and just playing with it and taking pictures. I don't know. That was That was just really interesting. So I did find this photography thing just by accident, too, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Such a good idea. But you, you know, so you made Berry Calm, and yeah. and then you made Sundial, right? That's correct, yeah. And which one's your favorite? Uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, Sundial probably is my favorite. Because he's all yours? Because he's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, I mean, there's some things that I wish I would have done differently, but... Um, with Sundial? Or? With Sundial, yeah. I but, think, like um, what? Go ahead, tell like, me. Yeah, for example... Um, I think the arms need a little bit more work, um, but I like I I think the colors are really good, and we put a lot of work. I worked with a manufacturer called Crazy Label. Yeah. Um, and we, they're closed now, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So bad. Um, but we put a lot of work and and just back and forth on on getting the colors just right, and I think uh, that came out really really nice. What was your, uh, like, how many of those were even made? 500. 500, yeah. wow. And was it, like, an expensive, pro- was this a, also a Kickstarter? No, so um, so we did very calm. Um, we raised about 15 grand on the on the bear mm-hmm. uh, through Kickstarter. And I'll put the, the link in the show notes so people can see the Kickstarter and, like, everything we did. Right. But, um... But yeah, no, um, I mean, it got completely funded and then some of the remaining balance just helped out with Sundial and then Sundial just was part of that and part of my own savings. Oh, was it, was it expensive? I mean, 
Forgive yeah. me for asking. No, that's fine. Uh, it's, it's just one of those kind of things nobody ever talks about. And it's like, oh, you know, I want to start, I want to make a designer toy. How much does it cost? Yeah. How, I mean, what am I looking at? You know? Right. I think it, it's like anything else though. It's like, it really depends on the size, on the quantity of colors. We have quite a few colors on Sundial. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I just I keep thinking of how many paint passes, you know. Like, I know it was. I was like, oh my god, an like, amazing job. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, well, can we pull that off? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So I was like, great, because um, color to me in my work is like one of the most important important things. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, shapes yeah. and colors, you know, they're like. I'm super picky about colors. It's like, you know, somebody will take a design I've given them and they, they put this color in and it's like, no, no, no. I, I specifically chose this shade of purple because <laughs> it's like, you can't just like guess at what the purple is. It's that one. Use the eyedropper, please. Yeah, yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. And just like the balance between them, you know, like. Um, right. Like the amount of like yellow that can go along with purple or like, I mean, obviously it's whatever people want, but um there's always a balance that that's there um at least for me for my own um but i like how he has that little gradient front going on you know the color i love gradient anything like anything yeah Um, it's just like the trendiest thing all of a sudden um yeah i mean a little bit of a background on him like um he's essentially like uh what i try to portray with him is that he has a south american kind of feel with the mm. with the um, we call it ruana which is like this kind of like, like a poncho for lack of a okay. better word yeah. that's made out of fabric mm-hmm. so i wanted to do that kind of interpretation of him being the sun and the rays kind of coming down because um it just i just wanted to to kind of communicate like happiness something that like if you see it in your home like it just makes you happy and like it's bright and everything like that so um yeah that's kind of like the idea about the the gradient and um and just having that south american feel but also um being a little bit of like a pop culture like maybe uh, american kind of thing like because i'm like half and half you know half Uh south american half american um so i just wanted to really like represent that the the figure oh okay i think it, i think you did awesome i can definitely see the the south american influence cool uh like when especially once you describe it it's like oh yeah i can totally see that that's that's kind of like what he feels like all of a sudden yeah yeah um he's definitely got that infectious smile that you know kind of like oh makes me happy to look at him yeah for sure i mean the whole the colors were you know a huge task and uh and also getting the face the shape of the face was a very tricky process and um and just it's interesting because most of these companies that that we've been all know about um are in china hong kong Mm -hmm. japan and communication with them and like style guides and everything so a little bit challenging um, okay, so this was actually manufactured in China? Yeah, so this one was manufactured in China. Crazy Label is from Hong Kong, but okay. the manufacturer is in in China. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so so yeah, just that whole process is, is super interesting. Very, You have to be very detailed and very, um, right. like, every little speck you get to, like... 
I heard that like if you don't detail something out, they kind of guess. Yeah. What they think. They'll just keep moving. Like they don't say, "Oh, they didn't tell us this. We'll go back and ask." They just fill in the gaps. Right. I mean, I ended up uh, like using PMS color, uh, Pantone mm-hmm. color guide um, to like spec, like just say like every single color is this bad. Because um, before we had with the bear, we had a lot of issues with uh, with just the painting and stuff like that. We had to send back a bunch, and then we got some back um so it was like a lot of like back and forth mm-hmm. which gets really expensive because you're dealing with shipping stuff across the globe and it's like <laughs> um you know it just gets expensive and that's one of the things going back to what we were talking about before with kickstarter that shipping all these items uh everywhere in the world gets so expensive well that's all the time we have thank you Lindsay, so much for joining us today it was super amazing and inspiring talking to you about your creative process toys so uh yeah make sure to check us out at blackformat.com where you find more information and also the notes and links that we discussed in this podcast see you guys next time bye